same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. This is a fun episode that we have going on today. I've been excited for this guest since we've been going back and forth. We have the host of an upcoming podcast, The Shape of a Star Podcast, with your host, Danny. Coming to streaming near you. Coming to a streaming service near you. By the time this episode has been released, your first episode should be out. Hopefully. I don't know when you're releasing this. I'm just here. But Danny, you should you should intro yourself because I feel like there's so much to cover. I don't know where to begin. You intro can. myself with the what? Just my history, who I am as a person. Let's go with your history, where you're adopted from, and your family. Let me pull up my phone so I get this correct. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say the stage is yours. Did you end up doing vocal warm-ups like you said you were going to um yes but it was more like throat warm-ups more than vocal because mm. I definitely it was like I don't feel like making noise okay while well, you're looking but I definitely up. know how to like vibrate my throat muscles <laughs> the proper way or what I think is the proper way May 24th is when this one will come out <laughs> way before I'm ready I'm looking for a July start oh shoot you are doing your first interview in May. May 3rd. That's it. Okay. You will have done your first interview by the time this comes out, but the launch and here I am is going to be in July. Allegedly, I hope. I Me not this. using this as a platform to test my audio. Ooh, yeah. you might as well. Do what you can. I'll also be on another podcast called the Cinephile Podcast at some time in the future. Okay. Look at you getting all these podcast interviews before you got yours going. This is very, you know, they would say it's very strategic. You know, if I could claim, (laughs) it just turns out a lot of people got bored in the pandemic and started a podcast. That's the truth. truth. All right. So also not me using this as stalling time to not screw up the name of this podcast. So we are currently on Adopted Babies from China podcast, aren't we? We are. December 6th. 1993 way back when i was born in hong kong Ooh. Ooh, not mainland china like most people so i was born in hong kong and i was born to 16 year olds a true 16 and pregnant situation i could have been on tv back in china if it was a thing mm-hmm. back then and i immediately was put up for adoption I got adopted to New York, grew up in like the New York City area, really Long Island, but no one knows where Oceanside is. <laughs> nope. But yeah, it's next to Long Beach, if you don't know. <laughs> and it's like 20 minutes from the border over like by JFK, just oh, right there. Okay. Like Oceanside doesn't even pop up on the map. You got to look for Long Beach and you know where you are because <laughs> it's like two minutes away. That's right. I forgot you're from New York. Yeah. Anyways, I was adopted by... My mom, who grew born and raised in New York, half Italian, half Irish. And my dad, who is an immigrant from Hong Kong itself. What? What? And so he immigrated here when he was like eight, nine-ish. 
like I think he turned like nine like oh two weeks after he immigrated here mm. and he was the last of like his massive family to come to the states wait so did he did he come alone or was he with no he was with his parents and brother oh okay I mean kids apparently are coming alone so yeah well he came in the 60s so who really knows mm, good point so weird to think about. They came in the 60s. They came in the 60s. <laughs> like the time of hairspray. <laughs> That's right. You are a big theater fan, yes? I am a theater viewer. I love it. I don't know if I'm a fan because I don't really know anything. My sister is a real fan, which by the way, I'm a sister who is also adopted, not biologically related. But she is like most people from mainland China, Guangzhou. Oh, yeah. So... We could, we could start, let's talk about Hong Kong, because for many people, including myself, I'm not too familiar with the political background of it, but do you get that a lot when you're like, I'm adopted from Hong Kong? It's like, oh, so you're Chinese, you're from mainland? I feel like people will say that, but I know it's not mainland. So here's what happened. The reason why I started saying I'm adopted from Hong Kong is because I would always be like, hey, I'm adopted from China. Oh, what part? Hong Kong. Oh, that's not in China. I'm like, yes, it is. Like, calm down. You can see the other side of like across the ocean, Chinatown, whatever it is. Sea? Because it's the Hong Kong Sea, I think. Uh-huh. I'm not a geography person. Point is, is that I know you could see China as mainland. It's kind of like Alaska and Canada. Not Alaska and Canada. Well, you can see the border, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like Alaska and Russia. Which, by the way, apparently Sarah Palin can see it from her backyard. It's only 40 miles away. So on a clear day, she actually really can. She really can. Yeah. Oh, I thought that just was for giggles, but... Do you know how I found that out, too? I was in my Twilight-loving group, and they were all trying to figure out how the vampire, the Volturi, got from Italy to Seattle, Washington-ish area. And they were like, well, we don't think they sat on a plane because they would have ate everyone on the plane. They don't think they wasted the time walking under the ocean because that's like forever away, right? And running across America. But someone was like, wait, if they just ran from Italy through Russia and just jumped the 40 mile leap, because by that time you built up enough speed, you probably could just make the leap. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they're super power, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, so everyone, so the theory I'm going with is that they ran across Russia and jumped the 40 mile gap, landed in Alaska and just kept going south to Forks. Washington which is a real place it is and you can stay at the Bella's house it's now an Airbnb have you been to Washington uh, no no I have been on the east coast most of my life that's right you grew up in New York and now you are in the DMV 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 DC D- D- Maryland Virginia for those who don't know yes yes which is actually where I grew up so we kind of did this like little switch thing happy switcheroo Wait, so you would you would say to people that I'm adopted from China and then they would correct you and then like and you're like Hong Kong and they would correct you? Wow, I'm kind of like shocked. All the time. And that's why I started saying I'm adopted from Hong Kong. And what really came about about that is you know how like in all the adoptee groups, there's people, everyone goes into psychology. Yes. Guilty okay. here too. But so every time I see people like, hey guys, I need people for my psych study to interview. I'm like, okay, sure. I remember how hard it was to find those people. I'll do it. And then I'm like, cool. They're like, where are you born? Hong Kong. Oh, you don't qualify. I'm like, why don't I qualify? They're like, 
because you're the exact phrasing not a victim of one child policy how do you know though because one child policy wasn't in hong kong hong kong was a colony mm. of england at the time or britain yeah britain as a whole <laughs> That's interesting that the study is like purely focused on the one child policy. Well, I asked that, like, how do you know? Because I think there are a lot of circumstances that ne aren't necessarily like one child policy related for people being adopted. Just, you know, throwing out that little bit there. I mean, I'm sure one child policy is a big factor, but it's not the only one that was happening too. Yeah, it wasn't. And like I said, I know my story because being in Hong Kong, which was a colony, which by the way, when Black Panther came out and like Sherry called like the guy a colonizer. I totally took that because I was literally a colonized person. I was never a citizen of China. I was a subject of like Britain. So mm -hmm. I had a British passport when I was adopted. Ooh. And everything. But it was... because it was British at the time, my birth certificate and like all those records are in Chinese and English. Nice. So yeah, that is, oh, another fun fact because all my records are half in English and like mandated and kept track through the like, British systems, apparently, I've always known who my birth family is. You have? Like how, since you were really young? Yeah. Apparently, um, like around my first birthday, because I was adopted at seven months old, 4th of July. So by the time my birthday's rolling around in December, apparently my birth mom talked to her social worker who talked to our social worker who talked to my mom. And she was like, you are no, in no ways obligated to like establish contact. She just wanted to know how he was doing, Aww. me being he. And then my mom added her to the Christmas card list. Oh, so they, your birth family gets a Christmas card every year? Okay, not anymore, but we are friends on Facebook. Oh, the good old Facebook. <laughs> yeah, because Hong Kong has Facebook. China does not. Hong Kong has, well, I mean, there's many things China does not have that the rest of the world does. But yeah, actually, it's really like my birth mom. My birth dad hasn't been too invested in getting to know me, which, whatever. He has his own life. No biggie. Mm. I harbor no ill will towards it. Are they still together, The your birth? No. They were not even together when I was born. Oh, snap. So you were a, a illegitimate child. By the way, I'm on a campaign right now, speaking of illegitimacy. So during the pandemic, one of my hobbies was I started learning about British history. Why? Mm -hmm. Because of the musical Six. Then I started watching The White Queen, The White Princess, all those fun shows. So then I was like, you know, since I am an illegitimate child, I'm going to petition the Pope and try to become legitimized. And I've been like trying to figure out how to get words to the Pope to legitimize me. Because I don't want just like some random bishop in like the Catholic Church, dude. I want to go all the way to the Pope. And he has like a suggestion box like online. He has a website like Ask the Pope. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I've been like trying to figure out like how do I draft this? Because I don't know when the last time the Pope's legitimized someone. Because when you were adopted, you had a British passport. So you're a British citizen or I guess English citizen? Is it it's British? British. Subject. It's always a subject. You're not a citizen because of the whole monarchy thing, I think. You were a British subject. Yes. Are you still a British subject or did you oh, become? No. Okay. So when I was adopted, it was before the whole adoption act. Mm -hmm. And my parents saw it many times. Actually, this is really an issue with Korea adoptees that my parents knew. They would not renounce their citizenship to Korea. And when they turn 18, suddenly they get served Korean papers. Hey, it's time for you to join the military. Oh. And like the, like people had like, what is it called? Ambassadors had to get involved to get kids out of it. 
like they wouldn't function in the military because they don't even speak Korean. Like it was a whole thing. And we know like multiple people that had that happen too. So my parents were so scared of it that they renounced my like Britishness immediately. And I had like a whole American citizenship ceremony five months after I got here. And then the adoption act of whatever year, because it always updates happened. So then it was moot. Because I think we were adopted around a time where you actually had to apply for citizenship for your child in addition to the process of adopting. Like yeah. It wasn't automatic necessarily. You had to go through the process too. Yep. Although the process was simplified for me, apparently. Like I didn't have to wait the five years with the green card and then take the test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but the point is we have photos. My dad's holding me. I have my waving a little flag. I'm like barely one. <laughs> okay. So it was like a little ceremony party, I guess. To be fair, when I look at the pictures, it looks like he's becoming a citizen <laughs> and not me. Well, yeah, because he's just holding the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And the baby's just like happy waving a flag right there. So I talked to your good friend. Well, I don't know if it's a good friend. I talked to your friend, Yinjin. I consider him a good friend. So whatever okay. he said to you. <laughs> I would say you're a good friend, Yinjin. On a recording here, I feel like he actually mentioned you, which was really interesting because then I then you, then you I got an email from you. And he said that possibly you were gro- when you were growing up, your family was like raised you and your sister like in a traditional Asian household type stereotype? Is that oh, true? Oh, you're right. Speaking of which, that was the thing, Yinjin over there. The thing you got wrong in your episode about me is me and my sister are not biologically related. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me that. No, okay, but so my dad's an immigrant, right? Yeah. So his family is like very, well, they're just very traditional in general, but I was raised basically mixed. Like my dad was super Chinese. My mom was a super New York Italian. Mm. and so I just learned code switching inherently very well at a very young age because that's a whole different dynamic yes I cannot and I didn't realize what code switching was until I was like in fifth grade Mm. when like actually no it's sixth grade so my sixth grade teacher she was a white lady very nice but she married a Chinese guy and she was talking about how, like, you meet new cultures. And she's like, yeah, like, they eat differently than us. Not chopsticks or anything. She was actually talking about, the, like, family-style serving and how you everyone's, like, same utensils are all up in the same food. And I, that's mm-hmm. when I realized, I was like, oh, yeah, white people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it never occurred to me because, like, what was I in sixth grade? Like, what? Oh, whatever. I was, like, 10, like 11, 11. 10, 11. I'm a young for my age because my birthday's in December and the cutoff date in New York State is December 31st. I barely made it. Oh, oh so were you that kid who was older? No, I'm sorry, I was younger. younger in all the classes and everybody else is older. Me too. Yay. So you get it. So yeah. I was like always super young and like I was listening to this teacher who also adopted a baby from China. Oh. So that was kind of cool. She was, a, she adopted like the summer before I went in her class. So she was like all excited that she was like a new mom and stuff. And like shared stories and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds similar. Aww. <laughs> I mean, Did... like, not trying to like douse her fire of happiness, but like, right. duh, that's how it works. <laughs> like a little sixth grade me. And I don't know. It was just very interesting because I learned a lot of stuff the rest of the world doesn't know through her. Because mm-hmm. it was just so normal to me. Mm-hmm. And it really just makes me think like, what was my mom going through when she and my dad were like dating, getting to know each other and like finally right. the families and stuff all this stuff is just second nature to me but surprisingly you know how you were shocked about how hong kong gets a lot of like flack 
surprisingly having an Asian parent gets me a lot of flack too in the adoption community or adoptee community I wonder why kind of think it's jealousy not to be like that person but I think it's kind of jealousy in a way because you see any adoption groups or I don't know I assume you've seen the adoption groups I don't even know if you're in them so like everyone's always talking about in these groups like does anyone feel like we were robbed of our culture and like they're desperately trying to figure out what it's like to be Asian and I'm like no (laughs) like (laughs) no I don't and then people are like well why don't you think that and I'm like, uh, my dad's an immigrant. Like, Hong Kong's not that big. Pretty sure he was, like, a few miles away from where I was orphaned. Or, like, in mm-hmm. the orphanage. And I was like, because Hong Kong's not that big. Hong Kong is, like, the same size as New York. Like, yeah. city. And, like, the city of New York is not that big, like, square mile footage. Right. Like, what is it? Like, five square miles the whole island or something like that? It's not, yeah, not that big. And Hong Kong is the New York outside New York is what they say. Hmm. And by they say, I meant like three blogs on Google one day when I was Googling it. <laughs> but they all use that phrase. So it's canon to me. You know, if you see a source in five different places, you don't have to cite it because it's considered common knowledge. Well, it's kind of unfortunate that you get flocked for having Asian parents. I mean, I guess, I mean, this is obviously generalizing, but I guess the majority of us are adopted to families with white parents. Mm-hmm. But I am learning there are quite a few adoptees who are adopted to parents of different ethnicities for sure i feel like social media definitely will tunnel vision into the main most common theme or something so you miss all the other posts i interviewed and adopted she's a host of somewhere in between podcast and she, yeah. her her parents her mother's chinese and her father is pakistani Ooh! so it's that it's there. Well, good food like, people are always jealous, too. They're like, oh, my God, your mom's, like, true Italian. Your food's great. I'm like, yeah. And yeah. Then... I'm more jealous of your Italian-Irish side because the pasta and actual Italian food is really good. I was like, don't even say Irish food. It's just a potato, and you know yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, mm, yeah, it's just a potato and cabbage. <laughs> okay, you're right, haggish or whatever. I have actually never had corned beef and hash. Whatever they eat on St. Patrick's Day, I've never had it before. I feel like you're not missing much. <laughs> but yeah, so I get a lot of flack for that. And it was very weird because like living in between is this great time to bring it up. So I would always meet these people. Like when I went, to, oh, you know the area. So I went to George Mason. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. School of diversity, even though it's like only number two or number three in the country. But right. the school of diversity, because the only other claim the fame they use is getting to the final four in 2006. Wow. Okay. School, whatever. I didn't mind. School of diversity. Great. I'm here for it. I fit right in. Right. Well, apparently I didn't because I'd meet all these other like Asian people and they're all like first gen, maybe second gen occasionally. And I'd be like, oh, hey. And then they're like, oh, like, I'm generalizing a lot here, but this is just my experience, everyone. And so they would get like, really like, oh, it's you. What are you? You don't even speak Chinese. And I was like, at least I was born over there. Like, what's your claim to fame that you speak the language? <laughs> like, we have different roots of similar equality if we really think about it. Like, you were mm-hmm. stateside born, but you were really engrossed. And I'm sorry that I just kind of sound like super American and I just don't speak Chinese or whatever language they're speaking. Because it wasn't only Chinese people that would do it to me. It was like mm-hmm. any of the first gens. 
or second gens that are like really, really ingrained in their traditional culture. Right. And I was like, it's not like I don't know what you're eating. I don't, it's like I don't know how to use chopsticks like you. I was also really proud of that because it took me forever to learn how to use chopsticks. <laughs> it's challenging. Yeah. And it was funny because my sister, my sister's three years younger than me. She picked it up like immediately. Like she was five and just like whipping them out and using them great. I didn't learn until like 12th grade to finally figure out how to use them. Um, it's because she's from mainland. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm is there. But maybe. I don't know. Because like, no. so I don't know if people have been to a lot of Chinese restaurants. Because like, so I grew up in New York. And all my family functions were like in Flushing or Chinatown itself on my dad's Yay. side. Oh yeah. So you know how they like fold the paper and then like wrap the um, rubber band around the edge. And so it's like, you don't have to fancy hold it. You just get to squeeze. So I had to do that all the time. And people, my dad's family would just like judge. And I'd be like, okay, whatever. I'm a kid who's being raised in America. Their side. I get judgment from the strangers. Like whatever, I'll use a fork. <laughs> And by the way, it's really hard to get knives. If anyone is ever going out to eat, you have to like fight to get a knife. I don't know why. It's always like, can we have a knife? And I always have the motion because most of the wait staff, like in these restaurants that we go to, they only speak Chinese, which right. wasn't a huge issue because my whole dad's side, they speak Cantonese, not Mandarin. That's a whole nother thing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong is known for can yes, Cantonese speakers. Mm-hmm. And the whole Cantonese side, like even when I'm talking to other adoptees, everyone's like, oh, let's learn Mandarin. I'm like, that doesn't help me sorry and like no one wants to learn Cantonese and then there's the whole like did you know by the way that Mandarin only one is the official dialect of China by one vote I didn't know that I didn't know that either until like a couple years ago when I was researching like because I was really annoyed that people like Mandarin speakers would be like all high and mighty Hmm. what was it up against so, like Cantonese was it Cantonese or Mandarin it was like all the dialects in China Cantonese and Mandarin were like the ones that were really like considered and the uh, Mandarin only won by one vote. What do you know? I was like, what? Wow. Just imagine how different the world would have been hmm. if it was a Thai or if Cantonese won. Some other dialect. Yeah, because I've gotten a lot of attitude with Mandarin speakers like, oh, you guys are Cantonese. And like, they get really snooty about it. And then I was looking up, so when I was in my Cantonese research, apparently Cantonese is considered the quote more pure, unquote, Chinese. Because like when Mongolia invaded, Mandarin came about by mixing with the Mongolian like language or whatever they were speaking back then. Hmm. But Cantonese was so like in South and so isolated and never really got like influenced by other cultures. Which I don't know how it didn't get influenced by other cultures because if you listen to Vietnamese, very similar sounding. Hmm. To Cantonese? Yes. I knew actually people in college, the few like people that would talk to me that were non-native English speakers no but my friend was from Vietnam she immigrated here when she was like eight so me and her were like talking all the time because I was like oh yeah like my dad's story mm -hmm. you're excited about that and she had a friend from Hong Kong and she's like yeah if I speak Viet uh, Vietnamese and she my friend speaks Cantonese we can understand each other oh like it's that know? closely related apparently and like so I've listened to people speak Vietnamese before and I was like what are they speaking because mm. also here's the other thing Fun fact, although I can recognize when Cantonese is like happening around me, like my grandpa had a huge stutter, <laughs> which I thought was just normal speaking in Cantonese. <laughs> because oh my dad also has developed a stutter, but only when he speaks Cantonese. 
Oh my, that's that's funny. It's fascinating. Like linguistically, I'm like, wow, you only stutter when you speak Chinese. How do you know? Yeah, all so this I history? really just like assumed like it was a very like repetitive language. No, <laughs> how did I learn this? I started watching TV. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It turns out I never really listened to Mandarin or heard a lot of Mandarin other than singing. Which, by the way, if you sing anything, it sounds completely different than when you speak it. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, like, when I was watching Ice Fantasy on Netflix, which I highly recommend all you fantasy lovers, it's basically Avatar The Last Airbender meets Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And that's, like, the first arc. 62 episodes for season one. It's all on Netflix. So if you can handle subtitles, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Mandarin, I was like, what is this language? And my dad comes through and he's like, Ooh, you have the subtitles on. I was like, yeah, you didn't teach me how to speak Chinese, so I have to read through subtitles. Mister, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go do dishes and listen to what you're listening to. Because that's the other thing. I, so I don't speak Chinese because my dad thought it would confuse me and my sister growing up, like, language-wise, rather than the total opposite of when you're younger, you learn language is easier. Right. Ooh, I'm trying to remember. So many layers to unpack. I mean, you got the whole stop it from Hong oh. Kong, having a Chinese dad. Having an Italian Irish mom, having a younger sister who is adopted from mainland. And then like, what other layers are there? Knowing my birth family. Knowing your birth family. You do know you, I think you're the first person I've talked to who has connected with your birth family. And that's the other thing. My sister, no connection to her birth family, no desire to look for them. She's just very happy. She's like, I'm having a great life here in America. I've been mm. here since I was one. Who cares? And I'm like, really? I know like my parents kind of feel a little guilt, it seems. In my perception, I think my parents feel guilty that they were always able to provide me information, but never my sister. But mm-hmm. also my sister's like, no, I really don't care. She's not interested. She really is not interested, which is one of the episodes that I was listening to for you. You found out that like the older sibling is the one that looks and the younger one is usually the one that doesn't care. Yeah, that's a very common theme, actually. <laughs> it really is. I don't think I've met somebody yet who's like the younger sibling who's like really interested in their adoption and the older sibling's not i have not met yet i'm sure it's out there i just don't know yet if you are reach out and join the podcast we'd love to hear your story (laughs) tell us more about being the younger sibling interested in your older sibling not being interested in how it feels like you're alone but maybe not Uh (laughs) probably not the case (laughs) but you know this this episode i feel very sassy right now i mean hey it's me like I don't even know your story fully like are you like sibling hierarchy are you like I have I have two older brothers biological sons to my mom and dad oh so you're both the oldest and youngest so does that mean you're on the hunt too I started my hunt a month ago oh yay I'm putting all that information out there and sharing the DNA and all that fun stuff that's all I've really done so far and that brings into my point about be- knowing my birth parents. Anytime I mentioned like on the thing group, you know, because they're all like, who knows their birth parents? I'm like me. And then all of a sudden they get flooded with these messages from people. Help me find my birth parents. How did you do it? And then I'm like, well, it's a bit unfair for me. We all know China's records is not the best mm-hmm. or like maintained or like ethical or all that stuff. Right. But I'm from Hong Kong. My stuff was in English too. Mm-hmm right on it had the equivalency of whatever their social security numbers are it was really easy to hunt them down (laughs) especially because they have facebook Mm. so after we stopped like sending christmas cards every year 
one day I was like in high school and I was like, huh, we haven't spoken to her in a while. Wonder what's happened. Mom's like, I don't know. Let's check Facebook. She was like the first person <laughs> with oh. the name that we typed in. We're like, oh, that's her. Click. Oh, that's right. Because when we were in high school is when Facebook really started to pick up. Oh, yeah. Because we're like the same age. So yeah, we're very close in age. So like right when we were in high school, it's like when Facebook like skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Fun facts about knowing your birth family, everyone, for those who are desperately looking and disheartened that they don't know. So despite the fact that I know my birth mom, apparently she obviously didn't stay with my birth dad because, you know, who stays forever with their 16-year-old love? Mm -hmm. Most people don't. And that's okay. But... So she got married. She lived a lot. She's living life. She has like three or four more kids. That's the other thing too. I think it's four. My mom, my birth, my adopted mom thinks it's three when we're looking at it. And by the way, if you're in Hong Kong and you're always at Disney, can someone explain why in the comments section? Because my birth family is always at Disney. And I'm like, how do you afford this? Because <laughs> that was like the big proponent of my adoption according to my paperwork is that oh, we don't have enough money to raise like a baby. She's only mm -hmm. 16. Apparently it was my grandparents that were really pushing for the adoption. My birth mom wanted to keep me. Uh... But the adoption won and I have a great life now. So I don't really mind. But <laughs> so like, so she married a photographer who has like really long, like dyed blonde hair. So he's like very the opposite of my dad's side, like mm -hmm. adopted dad's side. Cause you know, they're very traditional. And so when we were looking at that, I was like, oh, look, he's blonde. His hair is down to like his ribs. <laughs> And then my birth mom was like, yeah, so he knows you exist. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I was floored because I'm so used to conservative China over here. Mm -hmm. And like ruined marriage prospects and all that. Nope. Apparently he knows I exist. Um, so she added me. She was the oldest of three kids by birth mom, I should say. Mm. Uh, so she was 16. The second youngest was my uncle who was 14 when I was born. And then the youngest who was 12 when I was born. Fun fact. Me and my 12-year-old, not 12-year-old, my uncle who's 12 years older than me, clones. I don't know if I ever showed you the pictures, but we are like clones of each other, especially when you compare us at the same ages. Oh, man. And that's why I was like, oh, I guess, because I never thought I looked like my birth family. Either when I was looking at pictures, I was like, okay, fine. They're my birth family. Whatever. Where hmm. are my features coming from? I don't know. Then I saw my uncle on Facebook and I was like, oh, snap. That is both of us at 16. I'll continue my whole weirdness of my birth family. So my birth, my birth mom's new husband knows I exist or new, quote, quote. They've been together for like 15 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think. I don't really know. So they've been together forever. They have three kids. But my birth mom's told me, I was like, do my siblings know I exist? Because it never even occurred to me that I had siblings. Even like right. years after seeing them on Facebook, all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, they're my half-siblings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, oh no, I have half-siblings. I don't know. That like It gave me a whole complex, which is so weird because like blended families are so common, especially in America. Right. But just the fact that I had like siblings. It's kind of like the reverse of when you find out, like if you ever found out you have an adopt, uh, like the reverse, you know how it works. Yeah. Like on TV in America, it's like, oh, your mom had a kid when she was younger. Mm-hmm so stupid because I definitely knew they existed for like years before that hit me right <laughs> but I'm like oh god I have half siblings and so I, I have a message from my mom and she's like I was like do they know I exist yet and she's like not yet we're definitely gonna tell them but you're the youngest is like three. <laughs> oh, okay I was wondering how old they were are they are 
I think the oldest is like in like his super young teens right now. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he and like it's a whole stretch and like range. And also mm-hmm. like my the other issue is about me not knowing which like when I look at the photos, who's my half siblings, is that my two uncles are always with her. And they always bring their kids. So it's always like 12 kids in the photo. And I'm like, I don't know which ones are my siblings or which hmm. ones are my cousins. Have you, oh, I guess it transitions into the question I usually ask. But have you been back to Hong Kong or where you were adopted from? Do you want to go back? Uh, one day I'll go back. I have not been back since I was four. Mm-hmm. So I was adopted in 1994. Then when we adopted my sister, we actually went to China to go get her. Mm-hmm. Which I know is like another like decision people get to make. They can either have the babies quote delivered or they get to right. go back. Go so back. we were in Hong Kong during that time when like I didn't meet my birth family then or anything. So but my dad was like, hey, this is where I grew up, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh that's cool. Where's the other baby? <laughs> mm. Where's the other baby? That's how apparently like my parent, you know how like parents get like super ready to like introduce another kid into anyone's life. Yeah. And you're like young and it's like, hey, we still love you. We're not like splitting love. Apparently my only concern when my parents told me was do I get to keep my bedroom? Hmm. Like you don't have to share. Not even that. Apparently my parents offered for me to move to the other bedroom because it was bigger. Um, and I was like, no, I like my bedroom. <laughs> things you're focused on when you're three. You were three. Yeah. I literally I turned four and the next day I flew to China. I remember because I was like in pre-K it was a whole thing my parents really played out my birthday that year and I I was like okay whatever we're going to China that's kind of cool are your parents in New York now no my parents live in Richmond Richmond Virginia so I grew up in New York but when I was like getting into high school my parents moved to Richmond because my dad got transferred Mm -hmm. so I went to high school down in Richmond Virginia which another culture shock Mm -hmm. (laughs) about all these cultures that are always conflicting like I went down there like, I was one of the few non-white people that went to my high school. And that's actually another thing, too. I learned all these words I thought were plain English my whole life were Yiddish, Italian. <laughs> so I would just be speaking to people like, what are you saying? And I'm like, you don't know what scusti means? No. <laughs> and, like, I would have to explain it. And then I went to talk to my parents that my mom's like, the Italian you know is very regional. And by regional, I mean, like, a specific part of Italy as well, mm-hmm. bastardized by the villages, mm. <laughs> and then bastardized by immigrants. So there's a few people in the world that would actually understand what you're saying, and they all live up there in New York. Oh. And I was like, oh, I thought this was, like, common language. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I mean, you went from New York to Southern Virginia. Capital of the Confederacy. Yeah. Which also, fun fact. Wait, what was I? No, we were just talking about like the whole language. Oh yeah, because that's the other thing too that I like to point out to people. So we're born in 1993. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, like what's happening in the late 90s, early 2000s? All the TV shows are set in New York. All the movies are set in New York. Friends, Will and Grace, Frasier, Seinfeld, The Nanny. And, like, all the movies are in New York, too. True. So, like, my whole, I thought the whole world was, like, New York. Mm. And then they moved to Richmond, which is, like, completely different. (laughs) And I assume it was a suburb. Yeah. It was technically south of Richmond, but 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden wow. I moved there. I thought we lived on a farm. I remember when we first pulled up to the house, I was like, why do we live on a farm now? I always say that Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is like the life autobiography in movie form oh, for me. Throwback. Because yeah, because she moves from New York to Dead Delwood, New Jersey. And she's like, welcome to Deadwood. And that's how I felt moving down there. I was like, oh my God, we're gonna die. Oh my gosh, I have to like rewatch that now. I don't I didn't even remember the premise of that. Oh, she's dramatic and moves from New York to Jersey. Just to Jersey. It was only Just like an hour Jersey. away. I mean, within New York, it takes an hour to get some places, so. Yeah, it took me an hour to get into New York, and we were only, like, five miles from Flushing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, that's the reality that we're all sharing about New York on this uh, lovely podcast. A lot of people I talk to are New York-based, for the most part, so, you know. That's because you're out and about mingling. I would say so. I met some adoptees recently. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that because it's COVID, but uh, whatever. I don't, I don't participate in any of the Facebook groups. But <laughs> met some adoptees recently. Met somebody who has the same surname as me, which was kind of exciting. Ooh. Are they similar age? I think she is 25. Mm. So similar to our age. I mean, yeah. we're turning, we are turning 28 this year. I have no shame in it. I keep thinking I'm 30. Wow. <laughs> my friend who was born in 1990 in april he's born on tax day actually of our year he just had his birthday like a week or like a couple weeks oh, ago yeah, right yeah, yeah. and so i was like happy 30th birthday and he's like and he was like cursing me out he's like how dare you <laughs> i'm only i'm the same age as you i was like oh you're right i'm not 30 i mean you've got this whole like danny m e d l p s c i don't know the rest of it but there's cgt cgt in your title so I told you, I use Zoom for work. Okay, so to explain all that. Yeah, so go ahead, explain all MED that. is Master's of Education because I'm a school counselor. So don't ask me why it's a Master's in Education, not Psychology, when I'm taking classes with all the social workers, but whatever. Mm. And then LPSC, Licensed Professional School Counselor. Oh. Yeah, it's very confusing. And have, I've learned if you just like add words to your name and you can back it up and it's true, you're allowed to just kind of make up your own suffixes. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't I just add like Tara, P, C, D, podcaster, catching, I don't know what a D word is, but I'll think of it. T or D? D, go T. Oh, talks podcaster catching talks like could i just add that and people would believe me you could but cgt actually i'm glad that we could talk about this actually so it stands for certified geek therapist what yeah so i was stumbling across facebook one day trying to figure out how to become a dmt a dance movement therapist because i have a background in dance my minors in dance in college and i was looking at the requirements and all i have to do is get supervision hours and take one anatomy class and so I was like messaging them. I was like, look, I have a non-traditional path. Do I really have to retake all this stuff when I already have all these classes, blah, blah, blah. They never got back to me. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden on Facebook, want to become a certified geek therapist? What's that? Click. I'm into all geeky crap. So <laughs> it turns out Geek Therapeutics is the company or company. I hope it's company. Company that creates it. If you go to geektherapeutics.com, you can find out more about this. So I was looking at this program and it's like, hey, so this was like in July, I'm looking at it, right? Starting August 1st, 
you can take the courses to become culturally competent in geek therapy and then continue on to be a full certified geek therapist. And I was like, okay, cool. A geek therapist. And here's not me right now pulling up the website so I can explain this properly. Because <laughs> I always feel bad because I always like bastardize how to describe things. I was like, certified. I'm so stuck that there's such a thing called certified geek therapist. Truly, you can really come up with any acronym, it sounds like. And... Well, this is actually approved by the American Psychological Association. So, like that whole APA format everyone hates to do, approved this. Mm. So, a certified geek therapist helps you as the professional meet the client where they are at. By utilizing these specially curated trainings and cultural artifacts, you are able to help your clients with change progress and becoming the version better versions of themselves being trained in this type of therapy using role play fantasy fandoms and personal identity you're able to establish connection encourage interaction demonstrate analogous analogous wow uh, real analogous? life experience yes <laughs> and now demonstrate analogous real life experiences and to facilitate personal and intrinsic growth for your clients through a geek-centric lens. Whoa. Okay. Wow, you're just dropping all these tidbits of history and culture that I just did not know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A lot of people tell me that, actually, because I'm just like, yeah, that's my life, duh. Backtrack, my- you had a minor in dance? Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, any style? No. Okay, so here's what happened. So I started doing color art in high school. Yeah, 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 color guard, the flags, big flags, right? Yeah, <laughs> big flags. I like how you emphasize big flags. <laughs> because there are small flags, just no one knows about them. Oh, okay. I feel like color guard is the big flags. Yep. So they're the big flags and marching band. And that's what I did in Richmond to like help pass my time and help get out my creativity. And Okay, here's what happened. I should have kind of on a dare. Uh, <laughs> so long, long story. Again, I always have to go chronologically. When I was in New York, I was like four, dancing around. And my mom was always like, you want to take dance classes? And I was like, no, thanks. Cool. Fast forward to 10th grade or 9th grade. All of a sudden, I'm sitting in Spanish class, and my friends are sitting with me, and they're like, I was like, what are you guys doing after school? As if I was cool. I always went home anyway. I didn't have a car. I didn't have rides. But like, what are you guys doing after school today? And they were like, oh, we're going to color guard tryouts. I was like, what's that? Big flags. Big flags, exactly. And they were like, big flags, you know, why don't you just come and watch? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I have nothing to do. And I live down the street from the school. I'm sure my parents won't care that I like not come home straight away for once. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially since I get home before them. Right. Not that I was like sneaking around. I definitely like text your parents, kids, let them know you're safe. Mm-hmm. Cause again, this was like 10 years ago already. Mm-hmm. The world was a safer place. But, so I texted my parent mom and I was like, Hey, so like, like my two like blank and blank are doing this color guard thing i'm gonna stick around and whatever so i'm watching sitting on the grass watching them like in the hot heat big flags make them go whoosh whoosh around very very poorly not poorly they were learning like it was day one of tryouts so (laughs) like they didn't know what they were doing that's why i say poorly they're great spinners anyways so all of a sudden like the people walk over to me they're like you know you can just try it yourself Mm -hmm. instead of i was like oh they think i'm being a creeper just like sitting here watching a bunch of people like go whoosh whoosh and I literally was like three feet away from them 
mm-hmm. <laughs> like being so unsubtle. And me being me, I was like, well, it's more fun to just, I guess, whoosh, whoosh with them than just like sit in this grass and this heat. And then I did it and I was hooked. Mm. So that was like in 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so in 2008, I started my journey in color guard. In color guard. <laughs> going whoosh, whoosh. Going whoosh, whoosh with the flag. That's like four so, years. Yeah, as that's I'm, like freshman year to senior, right? We went to high school in 2007. Um, like 2007, it entered 2008. So I didn't. I only did it for three years in high school. Mm. But that's the thing with marching band seasons. It's always in the fall. Mm-hmm. So you always have to like think backwards. Because like if I graduated in the class of 2011, my last marching band season was 2010. Right. So I marched right. 2008, 9, and 10 for mm-hmm. high school. Then I went to George Mason. We did Winter Guard. It was great. And while I was there, I I made this friend at orientation and she's like, hey, I'm taking a dance class. And I was like, oh, how come? She's like, oh, because we have to take a non-Western culture class. And if you take a dance class, it counts, specifically world dance. And I was like, great. She's like, hey, you don't have to buy a book or anything. I was like, there's no exams really, except for just remember the dance. I was like, I could do this, click. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is really fun. I loved it doing African dance so that's like my first official like dance formal class other than like the basic ballet foots that you learn in guard right sometimes people don't really learn ballet I just ended up learning it so all of a sudden I was like in this class and I was rocking it and I was like I kind of don't want this to end how hard is it to get a dance minor at George Mm -hmm. Mason University and I looked it up and it's like oh take seven classes and I already took one of them and I was like perfect so I was like, cool, because I knew I wanted to be a school counselor since I was like an eight and fourth grade. So mm-hmm. I was like, cool, I need, I have electives I need to fill. Check, check, check. Took dance classes like all throughout. And then it turned into a GPA saver. Mm. <laughs> because as long as you show up and don't miss more than four classes and dance at George Mason and try your hardest, you actually have to try. Mm-hmm. Don't like go in and act a fool. It's That's really right. hard to fail. Okay. And because I actually was semi-able to dance, boom. And plus, I was having the time of my life. And that's how I got a dance minor. Which, fun fact, everyone, despite the fact I have all these acronyms on the end of my name, my dance minor has gotten me more jobs than my actual master's degree. What do you know? I'm really surprised that you... Did you perform in musicals or anything at all? I did a musical in fifth grade, and then I did a 10-minute play in high school. What? I feel like you would be dancing in the musicals or something. But I guess so. The way I describe this, because people tell me that a lot too, they're like, oh, why are you not in musical theater? You love musicals. Like, I'm like, one, I can't sing. Uh, okay. I mean, you're like, guide not is that right. you really need to truly sing to do like community theater. Yeah. Not saying the community theater isn't fun. I go all the time. But <laughs> I don't know. I knew that the level, but also I'm a bad actor. Mm. Type cast me, please. <laughs> As the whatever so in the it was the rules of comedy it was actually like how to make hamlet funny Mm -hmm. so it was actually really fun to be and it was only 10 minutes i was like this is great i was like the only upperclassman as they say fancy i was the only upperclassman to receive a role in the ensemble and here i am like oh my god guys i'm in the ensemble you know thinking it's great because everything in guards an ensemble so i'm so used to ensemble world like i'm used to that but they were like oh aren't you like annoyed at the teacher that she put you in the ensemble? I was like, why would I be? I got in. And they were like, you don't have any lines. I was like, 
I don't have to memorize lines. <laughs> like, I don't see bad stuff. So I didn't have to memorize lines. It was really all like physical comedy I was doing. So I guess mm. dance came through there. But I don't know. I had a blast. 10 minute play. Boom. Rehearsal for a month. Went and did it. It was good. It was enough for me to learn theater and acting was not for me. Mm. Because apparently, like, so we'd always get feedback, you know, like fix your face and all that stuff, which you hear all the time in dance yes. too. But like, so I was up there. And so afterwards I went and saw my friends in the audience who were there and I was like, how'd I do? And they were like, you look bored out of your mind. I was like, oh, did I really? They're like, you don't remember talking to us on stage? Because <laughs> they sat in like the front row. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Apparently I had a conversation with them while on stage while the main action was going. Oof. I guess that's why it was your one and done. <laughs> to be fair, I was welcomed back. Oh. But I just never went back. I see. Me and the theater teacher, though, still friends to this day. Nice. So she didn't hold it against me. She knew more than I did. Well, obviously, you can obviously see untalented when you see it. Oh, this is so not about adoption. I, I, well, <laughs> I was like... Hole we just went down. That's cool. I mean, that's perfect because the whole point of this is not necessarily like, let's only talk about your adoption and all that fun stuff. I'm going to put a break. Because I asked you about that. I'm like, ooh. Do we have to like officially go like boop 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 boop? Yeah, do we have to like pause, go back? No, but so yeah, I did dance. Oh, that's how we got here because dance got me more jobs than my master's degree. Yeah. So when I was in college, I was like doing my dance minor and I was like, I worked at Abercrombie, but that wasn't making me money or happy. And all of a sudden, like, my winter guard coach was like, you know, you could start teaching guard, right? And I was like, I can? Ooh. He's like, oh, yeah, here's a different high school, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, awesome sauce. So I started coaching guard, like, when I was 18, which caused a whole slew of things. Because the directors are always, like, trying to get me to chaperone stuff. And I was like, I can't chaperone a bus of high schoolers when some of them are older than me. Yeah. Because remember, we're born at the end of the year. So the And in Virginia, the cutoff date's August. Mm-hmm. So all the kids around our age were in a grade behind us. Mm-hmm. So I was like eight, freshly 18, working with kids that have been 18 for like six months. Yeah, no, and no. I was like, um, I can't chaperone them because they're definitely older than me, some of them. I got, as I'm doing all this guard stuff, I'm always like, yeah, I'm getting a dance minor. Oh my God, a guard person that can dance. We'll happily have you. And I was like, okay, whatever gets me the job. <laughs> but then like, as I was in grad school, I started coaching. I've coached at like what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like 10 different schools, 11. I think I might be at my 11th right now, but it's because I kept having to move. I went to George Mason. I went to VCU and like, I would just pick up multiple jobs because like all the schools in like in Richmond, Richmond doesn't have as developed as a guard program as like Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. So when I went down there, it's like, oh my God, you have experience. It's like doing, oh, and for those who listen and know guard, I spun for Mason Declaration which won worlds when I was, once I left, I graduated. I didn't like get kicked out, but uh. worlds is like the top and they won a few times. And they're always like in the top, like one, two or three right now. I think they actually just are winning. Point is I was in Mason declaration and I was taught by people that were in moon wants like my whole career. So when people question like, are you good at guard? Eh, I was trained well is what I say. I was trained well. Because I'm not saying I'm doing these crazy tricks, but I could do a couple cool tricks. 
that make me be like, oh my God. So like people who don't know what guard is, I'm like, yeah, sure. But so every guard, that job I got, I had a dance minor. Oh, thank God you could dance. No one can dance. Please help us. I'm like, sure, whatever. But then even when I got my counseling job that I have now, <laughs> I got the job and like I'm having a luncheon, like one of the first days during orientation. Mm-hmm. And like the head of education comes in. She sits down with us and she's like, so Denny, <laughs> I hear you have a dance minor. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I do. And she's like, oh, what wonderful to hear. We cannot wait to see what that can do for us as a school. And I was like, oh my God, did I really get this job based off my dance minor? And then my boss was like, Danny, we hired you for many reasons. I was like, oh my God, this is not minor. just your dance minor. No, like not just because I was a qualified counselor. And she was like, no, because you have a dance minor too. I was like, oh, dance minor's got me more jobs than this what master's degree. Because this master's degree technically has only got me one job because I've had the same job once I got it. This uh, dance minor. How many schools have I worked at? How many programs have I helped at? And my main job, like, what worth the money? So my message of the story, people, never count out what you do because yeah. you never know when it's going to come through for you. Because I also have a, a minor in fiction writing. So people are like, oh, you can write fiction? That means you can write your reports well. Okay, sure, that's what that means. Sure. As if I'm not, like, always hitting, like, spell check. But how is it that you knew you wanted to be a school counselor when you were like eight seven bullying so i was always bullied for many many reasons Mm. like when i was in middle school they started a whole find danny's mom campaign and it just really confused me because i was like i know my mom (laughs) find danny's mom is that supposed to be i mean i remember when we were middle school there was like this whole thing like your mom no it was literally because i was adopted they were like find danny's mom and i thought they meant like my adopted mom was like she's at home but you also knew your birth mom too. That was the weird thing. I was like, I know her too. What? Kids. So I was just always like utterly confused. I was like, what are they doing this for? And like, it was like a whole, like one of those bullying movements that got really popular. Oh man. Were you ever bullied for being gay? All the time. Damn. That was the main form of bullying actually. Cause people thought adoption was cool. Oh cool. You were born not in America. Yeah. Which, by the way, as I was becoming a counselor, so I started going to counseling school in like 2015, Mm -hmm. kids started getting freaked out when you would ask where they were born because of all the immigration stuff happening. Oh, that's right. So like back when we were young, I was always like, yeah, I'm from China. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Now people are scared (laughs) to say it. I mean, I feel like 2001, when 2001 hit, people were not as vocal of maybe again i was in new york too so no one was Um, from new york (laughs) uh yeah a lot of people i meet these days they all grew up in new york i was like okay apparently that's the thing is to stay in new york i mean to be fair it's people i've dated they're like i grew up here gone on dates with Ooh, but yes i was bullied a lot for being gay that was part of the bullying and then like i was an eight i wanted to be a veterinarian for the one that was really young which if you know who i am now people are always like what you hate animals (laughs) <laughs> that's not why I didn't want to be a vet one day I realized oh my god I have to cut them open and like do surgery I'm done <laughs> oh cut the ant oh yeah like you know like surgery yeah, and then they were yeah. like well yeah what if they like something like run into a bush and they get like impaled by a sick ew like <laughs> gee some people are very imaginative well I mean it is what vets do you always yeah, go on like your pets like and then like the poop too and I was like you know what I'm done this vet yeah. dream died real young then I wanted to be a cartoonist 
or a school counselor. Why? Because I loved school hours. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Because you get a but, summer break. Well, actually, the, where I end up working now is a year-round school, so I don't. Oh, just kidding. But it doesn't matter. Hey, we got the holidays. Like, typical school times, you're done by three-ish. Like, I'm here for it. You, you get, get weekends. The, you get all the holidays, including the Jewish ones, right? Uh, not where I am now. When I was in New York, I definitely got the Jewish holidays mm-hmm. off, though. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Yeah. Our spring break coincided with Passover. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Fun stuff like that that's would so always cool. happen. And that's the thing, too. Like, when I was up in New York, I was kind of, like, very knowledgeable of, like, Judaism. Because when I grew up in New York, you were either Catholic or Jewish. Mm-hmm. And because we had off all the Jewish holidays, and it literally was like a 50-50 split. Yeah. Where I was. So I knew all this stuff about Judaism. I go to Richmond. No one knows what Judaism is. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom. So we moved, actually, with another, like, family that we knew. And we were all friends. They had, like, kids my age and then, like, daughters my sister's age. So everyone was friends. So, But, like, the mom was Jewish. They went to Home Depot. And they were like, hey, do you have candles for a menorah? And the guy was like, I don't know anything about plants. <laughs> and they, my mom was like, move, get out of here. <laughs> and don't say anything more to reveal that you are Jewish. Oh my God. We don't know how people are going to react. I guess it depends where you are in New York too. Cause apparently my, <laughs> it's a funny story. Cause I think my roommate's Jewish and he, I guess around Passover went to go get matzah. And I guess wherever, what one of the supermarkets he went to, he my roommate asked, is like, I'm looking for matzah. And the guy was like, is that the Jewish rice cracker or something? Or the Jewish cracker? And I was like, I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I was like, um, but is he wrong? Is he wrong? Exactly. Because that's exactly how we described it too. Yeah. Oh, the Passover crackers. Is a cracker. The Jewish cracker, I guess. Yeah. Which, even all the Jewish kids at my school were like, no one remembered the word matzah. Mm-hmm. But we were all like, yeah, no, we want the fun crackers. The fun Not like crackers. saltines. We want the good ones. The good ones that are like huge. Mm-hmm. And Hala. Oof. Hala. Hala is amazing. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, everyone, you can, if you can find good Hala, make it French toast. Mm. It's amazing. Unless all this advice you're giving on shows and stuff to read. Like, man, what, <laughs> and, what other suggestions should we have? Uh, if you are in therapy or if you just want to be knowledgeable about geek culture, like geek therapeutics, again, it, oh, the fun fact, I was the first person to get through it and earn the certification. The first person? The it was all first online? first person. Yeah. All oh. online, self-paced. And like I said, just go to geektherapeutics.com to find out more because it's very listed. It's listed all there. And the website got a revamp and it's very pretty now. Whoa. Subscription-based, so you pay like a once-a-year fine. Not fine. You pay fee. once a year for the subscription <laughs> fee. You're right. <laughs> a fine. That makes it sound like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's really good, and you get like access to all the trainings. Whoa. I was gonna say, and they sponsor. recently came out with a streamer's mental health kit, so if you stream and you feel like you're getting some time away, or time, not time, they have a mental health kit to help you keep yourself in check. And they also have come out recently with a therapeutic game master course. So for all you TTRPG people out there, aka Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, and you want to run therapeutic groups for people, they have a course to certify you in that too. Not sure if you get a cool suffix like I got through the Certified Geek Therapist program, but still cool. 
And it's very fun because like the whole thing for those who actually play those games, they know like you make characters and you learn how to make characters therapeutically. And then you actually play and then you practice DMing with all the people in their cohort. And it's only like, I think it's only like a couple months long. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're a certified DM. Whoa. Hopefully and, they can, oh, yeah. will sponsor your podcast. <laughs> I don't think they, they I don't think they would sponsor this one. But yours yours definitely oh I'm sure they gotta be a sponsor of some podcast. Maybe they might sponsor me if I ask. I'm very tight with the guy because I was the first person to get through. Yeah. I'm very tight with the guy that created it. I'll be like, hey, if I just if you, will you let me free advertise for you? <laughs> mm. I mean you're sponsor. doing it now. He's also a guest on the podcast. Like he's booked. Oh my gosh, look at that segue, because I was like, all right, we got to talk about your podcast, The Shape of a Star. Yeah, The what? Shape yeah, of a Star Get your notes podcast. out. Tell yeah, us all again. about it. So, The Shape of a Star podcast is a podcast of, hold on, give me a moment, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for Instagram to load. Don't worry, I'll probably delete any of the, like, I'll edit out the... See, and that's the thing, I don't believe in editing out, so... <laughs> When you listen to my podcast, you're getting the raw and oh, real. that's good. Mostly because I don't want to learn how to edit. <laughs> I, well, I edit because I want to take out anything that makes me sound like a real jerk. Because sometimes I'm like, man, I sound like a real jerk in this part. Take out, or if it's like not pertain. You have not sounded any sort of way since we've been <laughs> talking. I sound stupid occasionally because I don't know how to speak, but... <laughs> But so the shape of a star podcast, because everyone has a story. We just needed to shape it so that we're the star or something like that. Or something like that. That yes. is the exact tagline, which you could see if you go to the shape of a star podcast on Instagram. Mm -hmm. The word podcast is actually in the title because we wanted to make it very clear. Yeah, that's good. But how did I come up with the name, you may ask? No one did, but I like telling anyway. <laughs> um, stars are my favorite shape. And like, who isn't fascinated with celebrities and stars? So stars. And I was like, well, stars come in all different sizes, shapes, and colors. And I meant like people star celebrity-wise. I don't mean like actually in space, even though they do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really is just about like, I, everyone I've asked to be on this podcast, they are all, all like, oh, I'm not interesting enough. I'm like, yes, you are. Mm -hmm. Do you not realize? Boom, 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 boom. And they're like, well, when you describe it like that, you make me sound like a Lifetime movie. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just all about how we shape our lives and how we see the world. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, this is a good way to bring it up. I don't know. Do you go by your name on here? Uh, I don't think so. I just go so by Tara. Call you? Oh, no. So, yeah. Okay. So, Tara, do you want to be on the podcast? I was literally waiting to be on here live to like. Mm. Oh, man. I would be on it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not famous, though. <laughs> These are mostly people I know with just cool side hustles. Oh, I guess like I guess I'm known. Well, I guess the podcast is known in the Chinese adoptee community, but I would totally do it. Yeah, and plus your life story, how you went from the DMV, you're now like making it in New York. Oh yeah, I am hustling. <laughs> Living trendy. It's literally about the people's side hustles I know. Like some of the people I have coming on, I have a guy who runs like a music production studio out in Arizona. Yeah, that I met just because I saw his Instagram photo. And I was like, I like your hat. Ooh. We've been talking for years now. So Look at you. I have a bunch of authors coming on. People that like are published writers. Because my fiction writing, yeah. like hobby minor, 
I just met a bunch of cool people. And who needs more publicity than writers when they're trying to publish books? True that. Um, I have certified geek therapists coming on. Yeah, Like two of the founders are coming on because I was just like, um, you guys are really cool. You want to come on my podcast? And they're like, oh my God, yeah. I was like, yay. That's so cool. I mean, you're, it sounds like you're covering a lot of topics and messages that people want to hear about. Yes, that is the goal. Very curious about the certified geek therapist people now. Like, how do you? Yeah, I have a Twitch streamer coming on who's also like a fitness like cosplayer, and like he's gone viral for his cosplays. Oh. And how did I meet him? Because I loved his cosplay and I shouted at him across the gay lord. Oh yeah, you're from the DMV. You know what the gay lord is. Oh yeah, yeah, the gay lord. Yes, yes, yes. It's a big giant convention center in National Harbor, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I think it just got a huge renovation too. Did it really? Didn't oh, that's it? exciting. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of the other, uh, oh. something else that opened in DMV in DC recently at National Harbor. Boo. <laughs> and you yeah, so I have friends. a bunch of authors coming on. I have him. I have people that do guard. Like, so for people in the marching band world, if you've heard of Jackie from Spintronics that she'd come on, I also know people that won worlds that are going to come on because I've been in guard for how long ago was 2008? Eight, nine? Nine, 10, one, 13 years. So for 13 years, I've been in guard. So yeah, I have a lot of podcast people. I have friends that are social justice warriors, like mm-hmm. honestly, and they just are really big on advocacy and just knowing their story. Mm-hmm. Like last time I spoke to one of these people, like they were in high school guard with me. Now all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're the head of like some inclusion initiative in Richmond. Nice. Like, what did I miss? How did you get here? That's so cool that you're, you're talking to people that you, from more than 10 years ago. Yeah. So you connected with. Networking is a whole thing. That's my big, there's one piece it of is. advice you take away people is networking is everything. It is. And how you network to can be in any form or fashion. And as, if you network correctly, you do not need to always be nice either. <laughs> <laughs> Because people are always like, oh, I don't want to be nice to everyone. Let me tell you, I wasn't nice to everyone. And I have a great network of people. It might be the quote that I have to save from this one. Oh, is that my quote for your Instagram post? It might have to be. <laughs> you don't have to be nice to network everyone. That's true. <laughs> wow, way to frame me. <laughs> no, I'm uh, but yeah, I else. have, oh, audio producer, directors, and voice actors coming on. Ooh. I have someone that was in the Peace Corps for a few years that I knew in high school. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I have like college athletes now like in, okay, it's not, it's the doctor training. You know how like doctors have to do residencies? Yeah. But apparently residency is what you do after you graduate. But the stuff you do during before you graduate is called something else, I think. He's in that portion. He didn't graduate yet. Is it practical? I don't think so. Because I would remember practical because I did, I had to do a practicum. Oh, 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 the other person. Okay, so I have like a tarot reader coming on. Ooh. I have a person that races cars. I have a YouTuber. YouTuber. I had a friend that escaped communist Poland coming on to talk about like how it shaped his whole world. Dang, I need to learn about networking from you, clearly. We're the same age, right? And yeah. you know all these different types of people. Okay. And that's the thing. You just ask people about their life stories like you just did with me. All of a sudden you learn all this life about me. Fun story. I met him while working at George Mason's Panda Express. I love it. <laughs> he came in and ordered the same thing every day. And I was always like, oh, okay, well, I'm on break now. Let's just chat. 
Yeah. We've been, I haven't worked at Panda since like 2014. Friends still, I just visited him a month ago. I love it that you've worked at Panda Express though. That's, and I, I was just like Abercrombie Fitch and Panda Express. I was like, I just don't know how it can become more typical, like teenage. I don't know how I got that Abercrombie job because I would show up in my, like my leather jacket, my leather biker boots, mm-hmm. eyeliner, <laughs> walk in the back, come off five minutes later, looking Abercrombie fresh, go back. And then people are like, where's your motorcycle parked? I'm like, I don't have a motorcycle. I take the bus. I'm just a okay. try hard. <laughs> yeah, I have like people, I have a bunch of advocates. Oh, that's the fun one. So I have a tech company, IT. Okay. To be honest, he does computers. I don't really know what he does, but the point is he works in a bunch of startups in Boston and he basically Boston. sets up infrastructure and stuff. Yeah. People are always like, are you actually from New York? And then I'm like, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you said some, some of it has come out, but not. <laughs> yeah. It's very like hit or miss, but yeah. So. Is that the individual who was your previous relationship? That guy? Yes. Oh. That was my next part too. He's also my ex, but oh, we're still man. friends. Again, networking. <laughs> juicy yeah so we have all these people coming on and it's gonna be filming over like i hope two months only yeah and once i film everyone and i have what 13 people still waiting to hear back from i have 31 people that said they'd come on wow and you, I have six you people were like that i still left it it's all about that networking mm-hmm. also i know like people think i'm very extroverted i'm really not an extrovert i'm such an introvert but my personality and like my job, everyone's like, oh, you're such an extrovert. I'm like, I'm really not people. I love being home alone playing video games. Well, it Hence sounds the like geek therapist. you had to be convinced to come to find your passion in Coast Guard. So, because you're like, Coast I go Guard. home. Every... It's not Coast Guard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Color Guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing, right? No, Color Guard. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I had to be convinced to like show to up convinced. to trials yeah. because someone was like, oh. Why don't you come watch us? Or Don't go home today. Speaking of which, fun story. Apparently there was a rumor going around that I was already auditioning for Guard and I didn't know about it. So when I showed up, they thought I was just like fulfilling the rumor. They thought I was just nervous when I was actually there to judge my friends. Judge your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like that whole like INFG thing. The in, it's not anagrams. What is oh, it? Uh, Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. I've completely 180 my whole personality, except for I've always been intuitive, never sensing. Mm. I always used to be like, what's P? P's like perception, perceiving. No, now I'm full judgy. As I grew older, I got really judgy. So I think I've always had J. (laughs) No, I was P for the longest time. But yeah, I have this podcast. I'm really excited for it. All these people are going to come on and I hope they feel comfortable opening up because I've known them for like years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's really just the whole like slogan of the show. Everyone has a story. We just have to shape ourselves to be the star or something like that. Ooh, yeah. I feel like many or something like, like that is something I like to put there because I really feel like it sets the tone. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be super serious on this. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah or just something like that. <laughs> you figure it out. That's yeah. exciting. Well, we'll have to really ham up your podcast when it's like getting ready to go because that's a you got a lineup. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. How successful will it be? I don't know. 
Oh, wow. other thing too, Shape of the Star podcast. Find me on Instagram and soon to be Twitter. I actually have to make the Twitter. But okay. also, I have a fandom name that I've wanted forever. Ooh. How pretentious is that you make up your own fandom name before you're ever even famous, but... <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. I always wanted my fandom to be the hashtag, well, not the hashtag, you know, just like when you're online, hashtag mm-hmm. satellites, but with one L. Satellites with one L. Because, so, think of it. I'm known, like, in the convention speaking world, because I also do public speaking. So mm-hmm. I go by Lodestar when I'm over there. And a Lodestar is a fixed point of attention, which things revolve around. Okay. And I'm like, oh my god, I love attention. But, which is actually untrue. It's part of that whole, like, everyone thinks I'm an extrovert thing. But, mm-hmm. but so, what revolves around? So if it's the fixed point of attention or gravitational pull, the definition of satellites are things that orbit. True. So if like satellites are revolving around me, and also because I'm a horrible speller, I spelled satellite wrong. <laughs> so it was elite, sat elite instead of satellite because oh. it's two L's, but I made it one. But also when I was thinking of it, I was like, wow, hold up, junior elite competition teams. Like if anyone watches Dance Bombs, you know that phrase. That's how they rank everyone. It's like junior elite, mini elite, senior elite. So I'm like, oh, that's all like harkens to my dance stuff. Mm. also because my fans are the best fans i came up with this in 2010 everyone it just has stuck with me since because i think it's funny a whole decade later yeah a whole decade later and it's over a decade I well, yeah a little bit but, over a decade. and it's finally manifesting so become a satellite follow me on social media and join the party join the party okay in your comments find out what you want to know if you have an interesting story, let me know. Yes. I feel like this is a good closeout. I usually ask if there's anything you'd like to hear from other adoptees, but I don't know. Is there anything you don't want to hear from other adoptees? I don't want to hear how you're a victim of your parents anymore. Like, that pisses me off so much. Like, you always see in the groups. Again, I know you don't really look in the groups, but I'm always in the groups because... I don't know. So in 2018, I was like, you know, I haven't been a part of the adoptee community forever. Growing up, I was an FCE, Friends of Children Everywhere, which was a group in New York. It was really more than just New York, but I knew the New York area. That was a bunch of people that adopted kids from Asian-speaking countries. And I was in that group. My parents are very adamant about let's be part of that group so you and your sister know you're not alone. You're Mm -hmm. not the only people adopted. My dad was the only Asian person there other than the kids, but... (laughs) And I kind of felt bad. Like, this is how you prove that your parents actually... Like, when you think and reflect... So when they would, we would go off and like have fun and meet other kids, the parents would sit down and learn about like Chinese culture and shit. And I was mm. like, oh, this must suck for you, daddy. Because mm, he learned what it. a wonton is as we're just making them already. Oh my God, I love it. Oh yeah. And that's the other thing too. Oh yeah. Other, so when I see these groups, everyone's like, oh, my parents, they really like bastardize my chances and culture and stuff. And I'm like, look, I get it. Yes, I do understand that I definitely grew up in a very different situation that I knew China. But your parents most likely don't fully hate you. Mm. <laughs> it takes a lot to adopt a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, it just takes a lot to see you really just take yourself out of your own headspace and see from other people's view this is the therapist shit talking but <laughs> this is the therapist i mean you got to look at it at a different angle mm. like it takes a lot of work if people are really just being that shallow like <laughs> they would have gave up because mm. all the fees 
all the social work interviews, all the background stuff. Like it's so much. Like fun fact, when they, my parents were adopting me and my sister, they only took cash, mm-hmm. but it had to be fresh new bills. If it was like folded up or had tears in it, it wouldn't count. Every week, my mom had to go to all the banks and be like, hey, it's me again. I need your fresh and crisp dollars. Uh... And she did that for over a year to get like, because it's not like they didn't have the money, but it had to be in cash and brand new American dollars. So like those little things, parents really do go through a lot to adopt us. And as annoying as parents may be, most likely they don't hate you and are not ruining your life intentionally. Oh, yeah. Not to say that there's definitely some dynamic shifts as you get older, but, you know. Yeah, and as you get older, usually things are better, and they get better in time, Mm. usually. Again, I'm speaking from my view, Mm -hmm. but if you're in the groups, you know the posts I'm talking about. Oh, oh my god like that post <laughs> that post Ugh. people okay also people another piece of thing i would like to not hear from you if you could ask a friend the same thing you don't have to ask us oh like, you know the one i'm talking about because i sent it to you oh yes you could have asked her friend that same exact anatomy question really she did not have to ask the adoptee community which everyone's always <laughs> talking about oh we're all girls i'm like no you're not like there are definitely guys around too oh yeah and there's a lot of people who are transgender and non-binary like it's it's all across the oh yeah that too i'm there. thinking the whole victim of one child policy idea too uh, and that's the actual phrase that also is like really that's how we identify ourselves we're all victims of one child i wouldn't say we're victims per se some people but. would some people wouldn't but I'm just like, you know, that's not the branding I would want for myself. No, exactly. I was like, loves I to play vic- Don't get me wrong. I love playing the martyr and victim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I have all these, like, categories that we fit in. We went through a ton of them already today. Mm-hmm. Like, if we really look into it, I'm like, well, I was born in Hong Kong. I'm a colonized person. I'm adopted. I'm a teenage pregnancy. I'm gay. Like, list goes on and on and on and on Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I have to like fully say I'm a victim of one child not that I was because we all know I wasn't but well I guess you do know your story yeah oh yeah that's true I do know my story because I'm sure there are parents who bring their kids to Hong Kong and abandon them from mainland too I'm sure actually it was really hard too because you had to get special visas oh see I thought they probably were just like sneaking across the border and gonna leave this child here i don't know theoretically not because i only know a few kids that are from hong kong and because the records were so uh, clear, well kept. yeah well kept <laughs> that's another way to say it like we all pretty much know our stories uh, i've never known a hong kong adoptee that didn't know their story or birth family fascinating okay well i feel like this is a good good stopping point yeah i feel like i'm forgetting things but it's okay. Oh, just bring me on for part two. Yeah. Well, after your podcast starts, we're going to have to, like, bring you back. Well, I'll have, I, sh- I say we're, we, like, there's more than just me. It's just me. I'll have to bring you back. Because... Yeah, I could be one of your commercial breaks. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Right now, my commercial breaks are just a little music interlude. But that's not a bad idea. I'll just, like, play a clip or something from one of your podcasts. <laughs> or I could just record something and be like, hey, everyone. Remember me from the other episode? Come and watch. It's Shape of the Star podcast. Become a satellite and learn about how your story is interesting to other people. 
Yes. Okay. So you have the star, the shape of a star podcast on Instagram. Do you want to share your Instagram to your? Uh, yeah. So my Instagram is Lodestars Lagoon. Ooh. Spell that out. Again, the whole Lodestar thing. But Lodestar was taken everywhere. And I was like, well, I like water. Water is my own okay. element. I was like, well, it's like a lottery place where a Lodestar can dwell. A lagoon. We're going to go with it. Lodestar Lagoon. L-O-D-E-S-T-A-R. See, well, was it say goodbye for now? I'm sure we will keep in touch because we have been messaging pretty consistently since it's like, all right, recording's happening on this day. And then, yeah, I, I usually keep in touch with people. on. And then I see posts and I'm like, what, can you believe this? <laughs> yeah, that last one was quite entertaining. Make friends, people, a strong network. You don't have to we do weird things. Or be nice, barely. Always... <laughs> don't be nice either to have a good network. Savage. I love it. This episode's funny. Thank you for listening to ABC. You can contact me at adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Instagram and Facebook if you would like to share your story. Please don't hesitate to contact Danny with any questions about all of the pop culture items that he referenced and history tidbits because most of that I did not know. I'm going to be honest. Yay! DM me on Instagram or I forgot, I have a Gmail too. Shape of a Star Podcast at gmail.com or The Shape of a Star. The Shape of a Star, everybody. The Shape of a Star Podcast.